but when I when I go into a client's business, I try to have the stakeholders around the table and I say, okay, let's define what's the workflow to uh, release a blog post, for example. Yeah. And then you realize it's a mess because no one knows what are the SOPs. Each yeah. person has a small part of the SOP. And even when put back together, you will realize it doesn't make sense. So you realize for five years, they've had some SOP that doesn't work. Because when you ask them to draw the timeline, you realize you have conflicts, dependency mm -hmm. conflicts, that they, you can't, they can't do that now because they're waiting on an answer that is supposed to be given next week. So you realize that for several years, they've been battling with their own workflows, internal workflow that didn't make sense. Okay. And then next to you, you have the CEO who's baffled because he had no idea everything was so complicated. He had no idea you needed to have five different approvals for a blog post. And he's scratching his head, thinking, how could we have reached that point? It's crazy. The pursuit of, of excellence is something we're all striving towards. I want you to focus on what you do best. You need to have an approval. How many approvals? What are the steps? It's really about listening. If it's not documented, it's, it's not done. Thanks for tuning into In Systems We Trust the show where we dive into all things systems and processes and hear from the professionals that are using them to change the landscape of their organizations every day. Today I'm talking with Bastien Sebmian. Bastien is known for being kind, dynamic, motivated, and organized. He's an Asana certified pro who helps his clients all around the world. He's established and published thousands of answers on the Asana online community, making him number the number one contributor in the world and two times member of the month. He's also published three books about Asana, created a team of Asana virtual assistants, and has released dozens of tools around Asana. His passion for minimalism and productivity led him to create minimalistwork.com. If that wasn't enough, he also has a full-time job as a web developer. Wow. Welcome to the show, Bastien. Thank you for being Thanks. here. I'm very happy to be here. Should we yeah. talk about how you pronounce my name? Because it was uh, the worst try this, you made. This is the worst one? <laughs> the uh, worst no. one, I think. But it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. I just want to make fun of you before we start, you know? Of course. Can you just say it for me one time, one more time, just so I get it? No, no, it's fine. Siebman. Okay. Siebman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Yeah, let's jump in. Um, obviously, you have a lot going on in your world. Um, before we jump in, how do you balance, you know, the work that you're doing in Asana and, you know, work full time as a web developer? How, how do you find that balance in your life? And I know you said earlier, you have kids, you know, it's busy at home, you have a lot of clients. What does that look like for you um, currently? It's easy for me because my work is my passion and Asana is my hobby. So when you go watch a football game, I code tools and I learn about Asana. And it has been that way for many years. So I just I really enjoy what I do. And I really like building, building tools, building projects, helping clients. So I don't mind having a client consultation at 10 p.m. in the evening when people just prefer to relax uh, in front of their TV. But that's okay. makes, that makes it easy for me. Okay. You're driven by that passion then to continue learning and obviously doing the things you love. Yeah, and I, I love creating stuff and I love see people use the stuff I create or read the stuff I write. It's really sometimes every 
two or three months, I get an email from a stranger saying that he loves what I'm doing and has been following what I do for a long time. So every three months, I get like a burst of motivation to keep keep doing that stuff. Awesome. And so you're an Asana certified pro and consultant at Minimalist Work. So what industry would you say that you fall into, whether you're, you're servicing clients in a specific industry? And then if you can tell us more about what Minimalist Work does. Yeah, Minimalist Work, it's, uh, just to be clear, it's only me. From the outside, it might, it might look bigger and people sometimes say, oh, I'm so honored to speak to the CEO, but it's just me, you know. Um, this is just a website to host my passion for minimalism and my passion for productivity through mm. Asana. And I decided that minimalist work was the right words uh, to put that into, into motion. Uh, so I'm trying to have a bridge between minimalist, minimalism and productivity. That's why I'm trying to create tools to help people clean up their Asana, organize their Asana. And my books are about uh, doing more things with less stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's all about minimalism and work at the same time. And to answer the first questions, the uh, first question, my clients are from various industries. I really had yeah. government, I had people from marketing, from mobile gaming, from design, from construction work. Wow. I really had plenty of different uh, uh, people because the tool is the same the rules and what you need to learn is the same. You just need to apply that to a different business every time. Okay. Um, can, can you talk more about like how, how you got started? Like obviously you have a passion for productivity, efficiency. You're working with your clients to do that. What, what's your professional background? And then I'm curious to know when in all of it, you know, maybe it was in your web development that you, you know, discovered Asana or became more important and you started using it in your life and in your business to grow from there. Can you yep. talk more about that background and how you really got started? Yeah, sure. My first yeah. job, I actually created my first job because I created a startup with two friends and we mm-hmm. started working in the startup. The product we created did not meet the market like we expected to, mm-hmm. but we, all the people we were meeting, during that uh, uh, startup told us, we don't care about your product, but if you can build us a website or a mobile app, we are interested. And at what one point we realized that we were gonna be like a web agency and just create websites and mobile apps for people. So we did that for two years. Mm-hmm. We got acquired and then uh, we moved, each other moved to different jobs and I stayed a web developer. And during the startup, we were looking for a project management tool so we actually, uh, Asana, we discovered Asana in addition to, I think it was Zoho and not, not many other tools at the time. And we started using Asana and I think it was, uh, it was nice. I started to create the first tool, which was Templana, the gallery of templates. I created that like seven years ago. And I saw that it got some traction and attraction. And I started to learn Asana much more i started to write about asana i wrote the first book and then a second and then i created another tool another one and then the community started to appear and then some people emailed me about actually paying me to do some consultation for them and it started like this and i never stopped i just kept building and writing and uh, and helping people okay and 
Templana, I'm glad you brought that up. It, it, it's a really cool resource, right? Where you have your your custom made templates and you, you're they're they're for sale, right? I know I've I've purchased a couple of them um, in in the recent months, but you know Asana does have a lot of templates on board already. What was the need? They do now. They do now. They didn't have six oh, seven okay. years ago. It didn't exist. I, I basically created the concept of. Uh, getting templates from someone else it didn't exist and technically mm -hmm. this is still the only way the only friend user-friendly way to share a project with someone else because technically in Asana you can't share a project with someone outside of your organization so right. after four or five years they actually introduced their own templates mm -hmm. but for several years I was the only source of templates wow okay um, how, how did it feel then when you saw that Asana now had it on board? Was it a sigh of relief that there was that resource available for, for the Asana customers? Or did you feel like that was taking away from no, no, what you were trying to build? Yeah, you can definitely see that as uh, them taking something away, but I don't see that where I see the yeah. way that they will help, pe help, they will help me train people on what is a template. Mm -hmm. Because at the time I was... I needed to explain the concept of a template and the concept of actually buying a pre-made project from someone else. Yeah. And it might be hard to explain, but now that they created templates, now that they evangelized for me, might be easier in my case to explain. You have the internal template of Asana, but I do have 200 templates of my own created mm -hmm. by other people outside of Asana. And I have, uh, as a client, uh, as clients, I have, other consultants building templates for their clients and mm -hmm. Templana is a user-friendly way for them to share their template with their own clients. Okay. Um, yeah, it's interesting you said earlier about, you know, not being able to share things outside of the organ organization. Maybe we should have a chat with them because like similar to Slack, you can, you know, have, you know, a, a common place between two organizations um, and you can collaborate on a lot of the same things. You can communicate, yeah. add whoever you need to on your side. Do you think Asana will ever get to that place where you can share projects and teams with other organizations? I think they soon they might reach a point where, I mean, Slack it makes sense for Slack to do that because a lot of people have Slack and mm -hmm. we find, we found ourselves often to having another company having Slack. But when you use Asana, it's not yet obvious that other companies you work with also have Asana. It's sure. not, it hasn't spread enough yet, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So I think, I think when you start seeing your clients or your contractors also using Asana, that might be an increase in demand for having some kind of a shared workspace. Yeah. Um, because it is complicated at the moment. You, e you need to choose to either work in your own Asana or their Asana, you don't have any shared space. Right. But I'm not sure there's demand for it because there's not enough adoption worldwide to have some kind of a shared space for that. And I think mm -hmm. Slack introduced the those channels, special channels, just a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago. I think it's rather new. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I know they had some version of it um, for quite a while. I'm not sure if it was just rolled out through beta. Yeah, you could have a guest from the outside come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. Um, let, I want to talk more about the, the, the templates. So like, wh where do they come from? I know you said you have over 200 of them, which is um, just incredible. It, are these the templates that you would have um, integrated into a client's organization and then you, you found a use case for it and then you, you put it on, on Templana? Or are these just ones that you create based on just scenarios that, you know, 
you, you, you kind of come to? Um, some of them were the templates I used at the beginning at my own company. Okay. Like I have one called startup management, basically what we did put into mm -hmm. a template. Uh, and then to grow the list, I spent a fair amount of time just looking online for checklists of any kind. You have a lot of uh, resources online about checklists on how to how to launch a podcast, for example. There's a lot of blog posts about how to launch a podcast. So you can extract this, place that into a template and sell the template. Mm. And also for the past uh, years, several years, uh, many people came to me and to create their own template and share their template with my audience. Uh, nice. So this is what happens now. I don't create any template anymore. Just people come to me and they create a template and I, I share the template for them on the, on the platform. Right. And I do have, uh, I do have a dozen clients who have uh, private sections, what I call private sections. So it's a section on the site. You don't see it's password protected for one specific client. So their clients can access the template. Okay. Like a coach, for example, having a coaching program as a template and their client come to my website into the mm -hmm. private section to access the template. Okay. Um, and I know like in your bio, I said that, you know, you remember the month twice over. Correct me if I'm wrong. Three times that's over. That's recently changed, right? Yeah, yeah three it times did. over. Amazing. Well, congrats. And and I know you're a huge um, contributor on, you know, community forums. And so... Um, in, in episode one, I interviewed um, Joshua Zirkel, um, head of global community at Asana. And he, yeah. he talked a lot about the um, Asana Together community, the certified pro community, um, ambassadors and the forum. Can you talk more specifically about your role as a certified pro, um, as well as um, you know the principal at Minimalist Work? What does it look like diving into the community forums? Are, are you finding clients there? What's that community like um, you know, when it comes to other certified pros? And you know, what does your involvement look like? How did that start? Can you just talk more about that? Yeah, my, my relationship with the forum, at first, it was fun to, to help people. It was just fun. It was helping me discover new uh, use cases, discover new ways of using Asana, uh, sharing the, 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 the stuff I was doing myself with others and get some feedback. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, I looked back, I look at the stats and I was like, wow, I'm the most, I'm the biggest contributor on the forum. And at the same time, people were coming to me saying, Okay, we saw we basically saw your face on every single question we looked up in the forum. We really want to work with you. That's when I realized contributing for free online is really a source of income because people come to you, they know already that you have the knowledge, you have mm -hmm. the skills, you have the expertise. And I almost never have to convince people of my expertise because it's all out there. They already come to me saying, okay, we want to work with you now. Let's talk about pricing schedule and if you can help us. They don't come to me saying, we're looking for someone. We're not sure if you are the right fit. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge win for me. But it takes many, many hours and many years to reach that level of having topics on the forum being read and uh, liked many, many times. It right. takes a lot of time. And I'm always creating new stuff, new posts, new threads, new ways to use Asana in an in a innovative way or fun way. And I'm sharing that online. And it's sometimes it's a, it's a weird feeling because you spent three hours creating something and you just put it out there for free. And some people would like to sell that. But I think now it's deeply ingrained into me that sharing for free really brings you clients. And the community, 
in addition to that, the community is really a nice place, the, especially the Asana community. Everyone is nice. Uh, mm -hmm. Nobody bad mouthing anybody. It's a, no. it's a really cool environment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love that community, like the Asana Together community. And, um, you know, re we recently moved, as I told you, to the um, Solutions Partner Program. And yep. like, th that's incredible. Like one thing that I love about Asana is that there are so many resources and you are one of those, right? And so, I mean, that's really brand awareness at its best is people coming saying, I saw your picture. I saw you answer the questions. That's incredible. So I, I can only imagine, um, you know, how short your sales cycle must be because a lot of that work, you know, a lot of that convincing or, you know, overcoming objections yeah. is, is already done for you because they, they've seen that work. Yeah, it also, also helps in terms of pricing. If you really look at the price, you are able to price higher than anyone else because you already showed what you're worth and the people saw your video, they know how you talk, they know, and they, they learn stuff from you already. Amazing. But I just want to insist on that. It takes years of answering questions on Sunday morning or Tuesday evening. And yeah. it just takes many, many, many years to reach that point. It's just, you don't just say, okay, I want to be the number one contributor on the forum, but just, I want to have that brand awareness. You can't decide that overnight. It takes many months and many years. Of course. Yeah. Um, and, and to anyone listening who is either on the fence about Asana or maybe is using it in their organization, how would you, how would you speak to them? Right? Like, do you have a framework? That you that you go by by how you educate them and then implement asana for them um what, what does that process really look like and would you work with people that you know are are not on the platform first so how do you kind of make those selections and work with your clients i'm i'm really specializing on asana so if you come to yeah. me saying i want to choose between basecamp and asana i can't help you because i do not know basecamp as well as mm -hmm. i know asana i know basecamp a little bit but yeah. I could not help you decide. So people come to me saying, we chose Asana, now what do we do? So either they just started and they want to help, be helped to start, or they started a long time ago and it's a mess and they want people cleaning up, mm. basically. And then um, we just talk, try to understand where they are, what they're trying to achieve. Um, and I always start with a first call of one hour and we go through their Asana and right away you can see you can see the problems right away. You can see the project not being named correctly. You can see the teams are a mess. You can see the tasks are not actions. You can see the colors are not used properly. Uh, there's really a lot of uh, problems you see right away. Um, and you can really help them um, get the, be the most out of Asana with just a few tips. And then the rest is going into deeper into the details and, and talking about the SOPs specifically, because I think it's your, it's your topic. Uh, having yeah. people around the table decide what are the SOPs uh, and put that in music into Asana. So you would connect with the team. I am assuming if they have different teams or departments, you're then breaking out with those people to review how they're using Asana, looking at their problems and then how you how you can solve it. Or do you start at the high level organization with the general SOPs and then get into the the finer details? It really depends on the clients. For some clients, I get in uh, with the CEO. So I work directly with the CEO and mm -hmm. basically he asks people to come into his office one by one for an hour and we go through the SOPs and then they okay. go to implement and they come back the next week and we work like this. And sometimes you come in from one of the team 
that's starting using Asana and they want to improve their usage before um, having Asana spread across the company. So you can either come in from the top or from the bottom. I do not have uh, a lot of experience with big companies. I work mostly with small or medium clients. But for the big uh, companies I had, I was coming in uh, from the CEO saying, we decided we want to use Asana. From now on, everyone has to use Asana. What do we do? Where do we start? Okay. And is the CEO then the one really championing like the implementation of it? I know you said that the different team members would come in, but is the yep. CEO then responsible for keeping those pieces moving or are you providing consultation and project management to make sure that those milestones are being hit as well? It's actually, yeah, it's, it's a good question because I, when I started as a, an Asana consultant, I thought that I was being paid for giving away my knowledge about Asana. And I realize mm-hmm. now that half my work is about designing SOPs, yeah. holding a meeting, motivating people, identifying the problems. Actually, more than half my work is about this. And I did not anticipate that. And I never mm-hmm. been trained on that. So I just learned while doing, I learned while working. I and um, yeah, because I've already worked at my own company with very small teams. I never worked in a company per se, never happened. <laughs> Yeah. just learns while doing okay um and w- w- what does the evolution of your sops look like i know you said like that's a lot of work that you're doing for other people and y- you weren't expecting that so like w- with the templates you create am i to assume that there are sops for how to use all of them and how to integrate like all those um different tasks and steps um, and, and what does that look like in your business as well? Like, were your SOPs housed? Are they actionable? Can you, can you tell us a bit more what that framework looks like? Um, I do not have that many SOPs myself. Okay. Um, mostly the SOPs are translated into projects in Asana with specific fields. For example, I have a client list with a status column. So I do not have an SOP saying I need to update the status of the client, blah, blah, blah. I just do I because the column is there. There, It's well-defined, nice colors, nice emojis. I just update them on a regular basis. Just Self-explanatory. Obvious. Yeah. So I'm trying to have everything self-explanatory. And I do have some uh, SOPs in the forms of templates. For example, when I sign a new client, I create a template, a project from a template for that client. The okay. template has a section containing all the sessions we do together, a sections containing the, the bills I send, a sections containing the topics we need to discuss next time. So my SOPs are actually embedded into the projects. I do not have a step-by-step guide uh, right. in my personal business. But when I, when I go into a client's business, I try to have the stakeholders around the table and I say, okay, let's define what's the workflow to a release a blog post, for example. Yeah. And then you realize it's a mess because no one knows what are the SOPs. Each yeah. person has a small part of the SOP. And even when put back together, we will realize it doesn't make sense. So you realize for five years, they've had some SOP that doesn't work because when you ask them to draw the timeline, you realize you have conflicts, dependency mm-hmm. conflicts that they, you can't, they can't do that now because they're waiting on an answer that is supposed to be given next week. So you realize that for several years, they've been battling with their own workflows, internal workflow that didn't make sense. Okay. And then next to you, you have the CEO who 
was baffled because he had no idea everything was so complicated. He had no idea you needed to have five different approvals for a blog post. And he's scratching right. his head, thinking, how could we have reached that point? It's crazy. And right. working uh, with a tool like Asana forces you to write down the steps, decide on a due date, a duration, and an assignee. Mm. And because you have the single assignee rule, you can't say, yeah, this is the design team work. No, this is someone in the design team that needs to do that. And if right. you need to have an approval, how many approvals, what are the steps? And you can't just say, yeah, he needs to approve this. So you right. really need to get down, write down. And it takes a lot of time to write down a good SOP because nobody knows what's the actual SOP is. That's right. Does that ring a bell with your own experience? Oh yeah, like uh, just, just, just in reference to like the CEOs, right? Like I, I think one, he was baffled that he didn't realize that there were that many steps. Yeah. I think that happens all the time. And I think what's important and why that was interesting is that these SOPs are not ever stamped in concrete, right? Like they're always yeah. changing. Um, they're always updating them. So at least documenting them, you know, once and for all um, and enabling your team or anyone working with you, assistance, whatever the case may be, to update them as well as they go along, as we realize better ways to do things, as we become more efficient. Um, and so the question I was going to ask, and just a bit of a use case here, is like with Ditto, we, we typically, um, you know, that onboarding template that you talked about, we typically deploy that within their instance of Asana in their organization so that they can follow along once we get to the end of the onboarding and, you know, informational type, you know, phase of, 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 the, set, of the sessions. Um, we've done our discovery, we've done our audit, then we deploy the implementation project and they can follow along as well. Are, are you doing the same thing for your clients where um, it, it's in their instance, they can follow along with you or are you keeping it, you know, within your organization and working through it that way? I actually created my first template like this yesterday because I realized I should work, I should have a, a basis to work with my clients. So I just created mm -hmm. a template yesterday um, okay. that will serve as uh, the foundation of a session we have together, like what we need to discuss, what should we discuss next, what are the steps. And for several years, I just worked without one. And I think it's starting to be important to have real clear steps. And uh, I never had people complain, didn't mm -hmm. seem messy, but I think it's better if you can organize stuff uh, properly. Yeah, okay. Um this question here, like you, you may not have this problem, you may see it with the people that you're consulting for, but I wanna ask you about, you know, work about work. Anna, Asana talks about it, you know, at, extensively, that there's this issue around, you know, the lack of productivity in organizations and in businesses. So I wanna ask, when it comes to, you know, work about work, how does that translate in your organization? What does that mean to you? And, and how do you help your customers or your clients to eliminate that in their in their yeah. businesses? Um, in my case, I still do work about work because I have to manage my asana and clean up my asana and I still need to complete the task and organize them and prioritize them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm trying to reduce as much as possible. Um, for example, if I have a task I keep postponing every week, at one point I'm gonna delete the task because I really don't want mm -hmm. to do that, I keep postponing. So I'm trying to reduce the work about work by reducing the number of time I need to interact with the task. Hmm. And for my clients, I think it relates to what we talked about earlier, which are the unclear SOPs, because yeah. not everyone has the same uh, workflow in mind that creates a lot of work, a lot of uh, 
needed communication to to be in sync with each other and mm -hmm. to check and double check and triple check and have a very high uh, mental overload because people have to remember all the steps and they're not the same and it's a big mess and i think that's where we have the biggest work about work it's uh, syncing between each other and trying to remember together the steps without actually saying the steps hmm. yeah i think that that's a that's a really good point there um I want to talk about your approach to systems improvements. I mean, with, with that many templates, you're constantly, you know, working with clients and creating new ways of doing things in their organizations. But with you, do you ever go back and revisit your, your own templates, your own um, ways of doing things? And what is that process improvement, um, you know, kind of exercise look like for you in your business? And then maybe yeah. with, you know, past clients that you're going back in to update things. Yeah, I, I do that personally. For example, I would start by managing my clients in Asana, in Asana with a simple list. And then at one point I realized it's not enough. I need a project for each of those. So I create a project. And then after six months, I might realize the project is too much work and I need to go back to another system. So I'm always trying to find the right uh, organization for my task. And I'm always uh, improving my workflows and some stuff I did two years ago, I do not do them anymore. I just changed my system. Okay. And for my clients, what I do is I my, I have my two biggest thing I teach them is create templates. That's the most important stuff because that's, that's the heart of your company. All the gold of the company is within the template because if someone leaves the company, they leave with the workflow in their heads. So we really need to put that down yeah. in paper into Asana, mm -hmm. the first thing. And the second most important thing is go back into the template to apply the changes you've made in the project. Because the, the risk is to create a project based on the template and the project has a life and you improve the project because new steps are required and you do not go back to the template to add the steps. So for the next project, for the next person coming in, they have the old version of the workflow and then they have mm -hmm. to do everything again. So the first step is create templates. And the second step is make sure they stay up to date and they are the best workflow possible for your company. Okay. Now, if you had a company that um, you're working with that had no SOPs or there was that, that knowledge that was in one person's head, are you working with them to extract all of that and document it? Or is that oh, yeah. a part of the consultation? Where you oh, no, I do. I do. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, I take the keyboard and I say, okay, what's the first step? Amazing. I okay. actually do that. So, okay. Okay. We have, we have four hours. Let's start. But I actually did a consultation for clients uh, about building a blog post workflow. We had four hours. I said, okay, blank page. What is the blog post workflow? What is the first step? Hmm. And then people look at each other and not sure what's the first step. And then they have one step, but it's not the first, it's the fifth one. And then you go back up and you go back down. And then they realize they have three approvals, but not according to the CEO who says two and other people say, but I also give my approval, which is four. And then you do that. And after one hour, two hours, three hours, you do have an SOP in place. Okay. And, and you would typically take that amount of time for one SOP before moving on to the next one? Yeah, it really, it really depends on, uh, on how many people are involved. If they are all in the meeting, if they communicate clearly, if you have the CEO, because what's, what's good thing, what's, thing that is also good is if you can improve the SOP right directly during the meeting. Yeah. 
you because having five different approvals in Wii is one thing. But if the CEO is there and says, okay, let's stop right now, we'll have one approval and it's me, then you simplify everything right away and you can have a simplified version into a sum. Okay. So that really depends if people can decide on the spot to simplify things or if you really need to document everything and all the specific edge cases they have or if you can just uh, get rid of them. Yeah, okay. Um, earlier you said that you just created um, the template for how you walk your clients through an engagement. Um, with the amount of clients that you have, um, because there's no way to have unified inboxes or unified my task list across the different clients, how do you stay organized? How do you make sure you're hitting all of your, your due dates and all the different instances of Asana um, if you are working with your clients on that side? Do you have a redundant list on inside your, your main organization or yeah. are you just manually checking into others every day? The way I work, I usually do not have tasks assigned to me in clients' projects. I teach okay. them, I train them, they do the stuff, and then they send me an email saying we should talk again. For okay. some clients, if I do have a long mission with work involved with them, um, I, I get the email notification and I just go into their asana to actually okay. read what needs to be done. Um, but um, yeah, most of the clients I work with, I train them for one, two, three, five hours, and then they're done and they are autonomous and they work by themselves. Okay. Do you work with your clients as well um, on resource and planning? Because I, I know like with um, workload and, and timeline inside the portfolios, that is a big need for a lot of organizations is having the visibility on who's available, on what their capacity is like, on when we can start and stop projects as well. And so are you helping people with the resourcing part of, of Asana? And what are your general thoughts on what workload and timeline um, timeline, sorry, has to offer? Uh, I think the timeline is very powerful, especially when you have clients working in construction or interior design or stuff like this that have a lot of steps that mm -hmm. uh, straightened uh, during the in the future. Uh, so timeline is very powerful when you have a lot of dependency. Um, the workload feature, I've never seen anyone use the workload feature like for real. Okay. So I've talked with like 80 different clients. I've never seen anyone use the workload feature because it's a bit hard to use. And that requires to be so big that you can actually move the work around between people because they actually basically do the same job. I've never yeah. seen that before. Why do you think that is? Like, is there something that Asana is missing, that that feature is missing? That And can people get that from other tools as well? I think the main problem is I do not have big clients. Okay. <laughs> I have okay. small size and medium size clients. And for the big ones, um, I think it's it's not often that three people can do exactly the same thing. Usually one person does one type of work. So you sure. can't really move around the work like this. I mean, Got not it. with the kind of client I have. Got it. And so when that one person's done, then it's just moving and on to the next thing. Yeah. And the, the other problem with the workload feature is the number of tasks, which is the default metric, usually doesn't make any sense okay. because a task could take one minute or it could take five hours. So it's mm -hmm. not a right metric. So if you choose another effort, like number of hours, or points or whatever, you need to define those. And you need mm -hmm. to define those in advance. Right. So saying that you say saying that it took you one hour to complete something is one thing. 
predefining free the number of hours for all your task lists is very cumbersome. It's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've never seen anyone do that. You just complete afterwards. Right. Sometimes you have an estimate, but if you really have a big project, having an estimate of it and everything, it's just a right. lot of work. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. I mean, like what we do right now at Ditto is we we have estimated hours, right, as a, as a custom field. And that came from an earlier integration with um, um, Instagant. I just forgot yeah. their name, right? And so they integrate on the front end of Asana. And then they, they um, as long as you have the estimated hours custom field, it kind of like plans everything out for you. And so right now with all of our templates, we've loaded them up with that custom field or when it's deployed based on the work that we've done and the estimations we've already done. Um, what you know that task should take and so when it comes to workload we can see great exactly how much um, you know capacity someone has at that point and then it makes it easier to move things around so yeah we identified the same problem where it was like this is taking too long we can't go through the individual tasks and so it was just saying okay great we have these things we need to do they're pretty much the same every time Right. Let's just put in those efforts ahead of time. Do it once. So yeah, it's perfect if you can do that in a template. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm also seeing a lot of cases where people say, I don't work on what Friday. I don't work on Wednesday morning. How can I mm -hmm. say in Asana that I have uh, free time during the week? And it's not oh. uh, you can't customize enough. You can say the number of hours per week, right. but you yeah. can't say you don't work on Wednesday, for example. That's a good point. That's a good point. And there's, yeah. I think there's no way around it. I, I, I thought about it a lot and there's no trick. Um, mm. Yeah, I really don't see. I wonder if the guys over at uh, Flow Sauna have anything to say about that, anything that they, they could implement. Just curious. Um, yeah, you can, you can ask Phil, I have no idea. Yeah, okay. Um, so what's one thing that you know you want to say to owners of organizations, you know, when it comes to process documentation or improvement, what, what, what do you think they're really not considering? I think it's worth, it's worth having someone from the outside come in and help you map your workflows and SOPs because you don't realize how messy they are before someone comes in and, and puts your nose into the SOPs. Yeah. That makes that makes sense. Um, and simplify as much as possible. Do you really need three different approvals for that thing? Really, like, is your business going to crash if you only have two approvals? I don't think so. Right. That's really good. And yeah. it's a, yeah, it's a, it's the same thing. Uh, I, I don't remember where it was, but it was a startup where the CEO said, everyone from customer support, they can, if they can solve a problem for less than $100, they need to do that without asking me. They have like a hundred dollars threshold. It's exactly the same. Yeah, I've heard that. I'm trying to place where that's. Uh, if you can, if you, from. if you can have one person proofread a blog post, making sure you have no swear words and that's enough, then you just publish. Mm -hmm. It's fine. You not need five different approvals. It's yeah. crazy. And I've even seen instances where. Um, you know, we love subtasks and what they can do, but sometimes they're drilling down like four or five levels into the subtask and just thinking, do we really need this? Is there a simpler way that we can display this information and make sure that everyone has visibility? Because it's easy for things to get lost, the more complicated. Oh, yeah. I know, I know someone, 
whose company said you can't have more than one level of subtask. It's just forbidden. Yeah. yeah, good. Good rule to to kind of live by. Um, what is your current tech stack look like just as we're kind of wrapping up here um obviously asana is your core but how are you really getting through your day and like what tools are you using and integrating maybe with asana to to manage your workload and and and, and run the business um so you mean for my website was the tech stack for my website or my tools to work on a daily basis just your your tools so let's call them your personal productivity tools yeah, um, so I guess Zoom for the calls. I have Calendly to get the bookings of people. I use Stripe for the billing. Um, I have my email and Asana. I think that's it. That's it. Keeping it lean. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So uh, and Zapier and Zapier also to automate some stuff, some automatic uh, email sending from Asana. Yeah. A little bit okay. of Zapier. Love Zapier. I don't know where we'd be without without those guys. Um, so obviously like minimalist hyphen work.com is where people can, you know, connect with you. Um, yes. and plan is connected there. Are there any other places on social media where you're hanging out these days where people can connect with you if they have any questions? I'm only active on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm posting about Asana every single day. It's been several months now without, um, failing. Uh, so right. definitely LinkedIn and the forum, obviously, and my website. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show today, Bestien. Sorry again about the last name. I'm not going to try that again. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, try that again. No, no, it's Please fine. Please forgive me. No. Don't worry about it. One and done. Thanks so much. Um, and so if, if you like what you heard, Please like, subscribe, and follow, you know, depending on where you're watching or listening to this. Um, if you have a friend or a colleague who you think would benefit from hearing this conversation, please share it with them so that we can reach more listeners just like you. Um, all the links from today's talk will be in the show notes as usual. And I want to thank you again, Bastian, for, for being here. Thank you. Um, and and for, for the viewers, thank you for spending your time with us. Um, we'll see you next time. Bye for now.